Hello and welcome to Campbell Uniting for this service for Sunday the 6th of September and happy Father's Day to all the fathers. Today we're reflecting on a passage from the middle of Matthew chapter 18, a rather awkward text. To be polite is to show good manners in how we treat each other. I think that amounts to wearing a mask and nodding hello just now. But the word it comes from is important. Polity is about how we get on or organise or govern people. Politics covers the science, the theory or practice of governing. It's come to mean two-party polarised wrangling, but you can read in Plato from the ancient Greeks where he discusses politics as the art of looking for the best ways to help us to get along together and to manage our society, the polis. Paul makes good use of Jesus' central direction on how we are to get along when he puts the pithy summary, owe no one anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. And Matthew, in this gospel text, confronts the issue of conflict and reconciliation head on for his community, just because it's crucial for them. And... It still is. It's tempting to skip over a text like this in search of a more palatable one. Conflict looks uninviting. It's unrewarding. It's uncharacteristically negative. It's here, sandwiched between two rather sweet texts. A lovely story about the good shepherd and the lost sheep. And at the other end, is an inspiring moral lesson on forgiveness. It's just this in-between part that doesn't look so tasty. The section for all of this begins, See you don't despise any of these little ones. Their angels are close to God, it warns. Just before this, Jesus takes a child and tells the adults they must become like children to enter the kingdom. And then, after the story of the shepherd who leaves the 99 and searches for the one lost one, he goes on to speak about what to do in the community when someone goes astray in a way that hurts you. Three distinct subjects. Care for children. Care for the lost, both are about caring for the vulnerable, and then care for the unity of the Christian community. In reality, it's always fragile. We are fragile in how we get on. We are vulnerable and we need nurture. Now, at first glance, the subject seems rather mundane and a bit awkward in our modern context. 
It's a bit like an irrelevant place, not worth visiting any longer. But in hindsight, the inner life of the church, including conflict resolution, was a good choice of topic for this season. The church, of course, would live on after Jesus as the embodiment of the kingdom of God on earth. So it needed guidelines on how to make it more than just another organisation, something that needs members and money. It needed guidelines on how to be a countercultural body, a body in which leaders serve instead of swagger, where the weak are nourished instead of cast aside, where people who lose their way are not forgotten but sought out and restored, and where people cultivate mercy and forgiveness. All these responsibilities take a strong commitment of love. Love for those who can't repay us. Love for those who have left us and for those who have hurt us. In fact, this love is very close to the core of Jesus' message and has much to do with how Christian community is nurtured. Martin Luther King Jr. exercised a non-violent Christian leadership in a violently divided society. He famously said, Love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. We never get rid of an enemy by meeting hate with hate. We get rid of an enemy by getting rid of enmity. By its very nature, hate destroys. By its very nature, love creates and builds up love transforms with redemptive power. And then I'm rather struck by Jesus' plea that if only two of us can agree about what we long for, it will be done. Perhaps it's an expression of the same sort of idea as the one in the Lord's Prayer. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Something more of a matter of our alignment with God's ways than us coming up with a lobby group to sway God to our ways. According to Matthew, Jesus gave rather specific instructions about resolving arguments. You sit down and you talk about it. And if there's no listening, you bring someone else to sit with you and try again. The object is to reach a reconciliation and clearly that will rely on principles like justice, compromise, understanding and forgiveness. It's made clear in these next few lines. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, if a member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not 70 times, but I tell you, 77 times. Fred Beekner has a good way of expressing this about forgiveness. 
To accept forgiveness means to admit that you've done something wrong that needs to be forgiven. When somebody you've wronged forgives you, you're spared the dull and self-diminishing throb of a guilty conscience. And when you forgive someone who's wronged you, you are spared of the dismal corrosion of bitterness and wounded pride. For both parties, forgiveness means the freedom to again be at peace inside their own skin and be glad in each other's presence. His firm grip on this sort of truth was Nelson Mandela's genius. He said, forgiveness liberates the soul. It removes fear. That's why it is such a powerful weapon. And isn't this the only weapon we need to share? Jesus concludes with a stunning affirmation that where we do manage to come together, where there is love and forgiveness and reconciliation, Jesus is there with us at the heart of that community. Both the reason for and the reality of our communion. So where is Jesus present in our togetherness when we're apart? Jesus is present in whatever sharing and agreeing we can manage. Present in this online connection. Present when leaders put differences aside and can work together for the common good. Present when barriers are broken down between us just a little. And present when we can show care and compassion for those around us present and accounted for. There I am among you. Amen.